we were all playing as a four-man team one time, mm-hmm. and we found uh, a group. I don't know if I told the story already. We found a group of of like eight, twelve-year-old like English kids, and they were like all on their boat, and they're all like, "Yeah, help me wrap, wrap the ropes up here." And then like Aaron got on their boat and started like attacking them and terrorizing them, and then like he like we like blew up their boat and set it on fire. And they were like, "Oh my god!" And they're all like oh losing god. their shit, and it was really funny because the fact that they all sounded like Christopher Robin made it extra excellent. Just a um, boat of Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> That's little kids. <laughs> Guys, imagine that I'm thinking of a game. I'm thinking of a game, and I'm going to give you three things about the game, and you have to tell me what the game is. Hitman. What game you think it is. It's not Hitman. Uh, All right, so the first thing is that the game is um, heavily influenced in its artistic style by Alien and H.R. Geiger. The second thing is that it comes from a company that's made a lot of games, and a lot of their games were top-down sort of projectile dodging games, which transfers into the 3D of this game. So it's a lot about projectile dodging. Uh, the third thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Yes, Returnal. Uh, I'm so yes. smart. Wait, I thought it was going to be Doom. I'm not even joking. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. And the third thing is that it has huge open ex- exploration like levels. Uh, it's okay. funny to see that like Returnal is kind of like pulling from the same influences as Doom, mm. but not necessarily influenced by Doom. I don't know if it is or isn't, but like it's influenced by Doom's influences and it ends up producing a kind of similar product, you know, 30 years later. Weird. Have you played it? Yeah. No, but I've watched some videos of it and I was like, holy shit. I was like watching it. And I'm like, this game looks awesome. And I'm like, wow, this game is a lot like Doom. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I don't think that there's any direct influence you know like like i think it's because it's influenced by doom it's doom's influences mm. that's cool i, I was getting I control that. vibes from it but i think control was influenced by doom so i think ultimately it yeah. was influenced by doom the, that was the exact yeah. thing i thought when i saw returnal was control and it has but it has the mm. splashiness of doom to it like that kind of in your face of this that, that doom definitely has mm. yeah I, uh, I, sorry. I want to play more Control. Control's so good. I I keep forgetting to play that game. I keep forgetting to buy it. I keep needing to buy it. It's so good. What's wrong with you guys? I, I, yeah, it's great. I played it with Garrett and I have not been able to, I just haven't bought it myself yet. He hogged Mm. it. I feel like it's regularly on sale for pretty, pretty cheap. Um, it's worth picking up. Uh, for those of you wondering who this, this extra voice is, I'm here today with Kevin and Oren and also Ben. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing very good, and I am very happy to be here. I appreciate you guys letting me on. Happy to have ben, you. Ben, uh, yeah, you, you, you do a podcast. I do. I am co-host to a podcast with my friend, Garrett, who I've already mentioned. He and I host a podcast called Out of Mana, which is basically in the same vein as this podcast, maybe on a more mellow level, because we, don't, we, we just we do our own thing. But yeah, we're, we release weekly. Right now we're on a hiatus, but... 
Kevin and Aaron and Oren have me on their podcast right now, and I'm really happy to be back in it. Yeah. You had a recent episode about the the history of 3DO, which I thought was just awesome. Yeah, we were trying to kind of make our episodes a little more less topical so like less so they age better you know so you can go back and listen to it and think oh i want to hear about the history of 3do i want to learn about that it's not about something that's already happened and you're already over so 3do we, we picked because that company was a it was a big deal in our childhood like we played a lot mm. of 3do games i i just i think about those games still and when i was a kid i went to a party and i met a 3do dev and i thought that was really cool like <laughs> at the time i thought he was like the coolest person in the world little did i know 3do was not long to live but it was <laughs> it was a fun episode, and we really enjoyed doing research and learning more about it. And the next episode we hope to do, we hope to even interview an ex-employee of 3DO who was in the marketing department. Oh, awesome. Sweet. Yeah, get, that, get some inside. very cool. All right. Well, uh, where where could we find your podcast? Our podcast is... We, we I primarily like to advertise it on YouTube. We have it on YouTube on Out of Mana. But we also have a very fairly active Twitter that I'm on mostly and Garrett pops on occasionally, which is Twitter, and the pod is out of mana as well. And we also have an email, but, you know, no one uses email anymore, but it's, it's podoutofmana at gmail.com. Yeah, sign them up for coupons. Um. Exactly. exactly. you got to get your clippers <laughs> and everything and, you know, maybe send some sweepstakes. Uh, all right. So, everybody, you guys are all hanging in there doing well everybody's ready to talk about like we have so much freaking news this week mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of astounding it's a lot of information to go over let's yeah. do it i'm ready let's, let's go <laughs> all right uh i i think also we're gonna it's gonna this this news trend is gonna continue because e3 is coming up and there's gonna be the slow leak coming up to e3 and then the the deluge from e3 and so probably a lot of news for a bit I'm but pretty excited let's start off yeah yeah, yeah. Too, really no excited. you guys what are you guys looking forward to from E3? I mean, FromSoft. FromSoft. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Or Elden Ring, please. Yeah. That's the one I, that's one I keep thinking about, yeah. Mm. There's just been no information on that game at all, except for the announcement and a leak. So mm. I want to know what the story is. Is it going to have multiplayer? Is it going to be a single-player game? Yeah. What's it going to have? Is it going to have uh, Exactly. I'm interested. Where's, where's it going? I mean, where are we I, going I, yeah. here? As Alucard would say, I'm interested in this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I, I want to hear about the fucking Switch uh, Pro, which mm. keeps, like, keeps, like, coming into the, like... <laughs> periphery like comes in and out of the periphery it's like it's a little camera shy but i want that it's, thing to it's come like a bashful pokemon in pokemon snap and it keeps popping and popping out you can't get a picture of it quite you don't really know what to expect <laughs> totally yeah you so. need to throw a little like pokeball at it to lure it out or you've got to throw an apple the, and you got to nail it right on the head throw yeah. an apple, that's it. <laughs> or a gas a gas ball so they can <laughs> drug the pokemon so you can get a good photo of it <laughs> oh man all right let's get into the news Starting with Sony reveals that they have sold 7.8 million PS5s as of the end of March. So that's and that one of them is not increased. mine. <laughs> one of them is have not a PS5, mine, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a PS5. Yeah, I don't so, even know what they look like. I mean, a Wi-Fi router, I guess. Who knows? It looks like a grand piano, but slightly larger. Um, like that. This this number is interesting because it's actually 0.2 million more than the PS5 it sold during the same period. PS4, yes. Ah, 
I yes, the PS4. Uh, it's also, to the best of our knowledge, a bit higher than what the Xbox has sold. Although X, Microsoft hasn't released official numbers. They're a little and the one, Yeah, I mean, one thing we do know is that both uh, the PS5 and all of the Xboxes are selling out constantly. Instantly. There is no surplus supply at all. Yeah. So that's why that's what I'm curious about this number. I'm like, well, how could it be one more than the other? Unless Sony has a higher production. Like, I, it doesn't seem like you can buy them anywhere. So, like, how could they have sold more? I don't understand. I mean, I believe it, but I just don't understand it. Well, people right. are buying them. I mean, my, you know, I know people that have them. Uh, oh, I'm not saying people aren't buying them, but it seems like you can't get either console. So it seems like they would both would be selling out, is what I'm saying. They're right, also well, bashful Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to assume that, like, <laughs> that they've just produced more, right? Or that they're, yeah. like, that, that's, that, that's saying, pretty like, much it. production. Yeah. Yeah. But we also don't know what Microsoft's numbers are. So it could be Microsoft has sold a very similar number. But like to the best estimate that we have, it's Ampere analysis estimated uh, 2.8 million had been sold since launch, but that was like back in February. So they think that now it's like maybe four to five million sold. So trailing it, but still pretty good numbers for both. You can get a hold of a Series S from what I've read. Not a mm. Series X. I heard Series X is hard to get, but a Series S is available. I did see a Series S at the mall. It was in a vending machine, like the kind you have to put money in. You have to knock the rope off so it drops it. That's the only time I've seen one. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I love mine. What can I say? It's so tiny. I'm looking at it right now. It's my baby. Aww. It's very cool looking. Uh, I got a Series X, and it was wasn't. It didn't feel that hard. I didn't even put a lot of effort. I just signed up to a Twitter bot or whatever, and it was like. By now, and I did, but um, it does. I do hear that it's slightly easier to get an Xbox. However, I know more people with PS5s. Yeah, I do too. So <laughs> I know I one know person with a PS5, so that's one more than I know with, with the Xbox. But now that I know mm-hmm. you have one, both and I both have, have one, them, actually. Yeah. Yep, uh, both have series. Yeah, and I'm I'm a pretty big fan of it. So um, that that's interesting. Uh, to combat this, Microsoft has done something which it's it's kind of bonkers to me that people aren't doing this in general. They've set up, although it's they're not they're kind of half-heartedly doing this, setting up a pilot program where if you're an Xbox insider, which I don't know what that is, Kevin, you can maybe explain in a second what that is. I can, I can you can get uh, like you can pre-order it basically. You can get in line. Uh, which so this is like a strange question. Why isn't like EVGA did something like this with their graphic cards. And let me tell you about that. I signed up for all of them weeks before they announced that. And I'm not even remotely close to being called. Like, so like their, their program is like worthless unless you signed up like in the very opening minutes of the ability to sign up for that, which was way before they announced that that there was going to be a queue. So, but why, like, why hasn't Sony made some, like they want you to pre-order shit all the time, like for 20 years, video games pre-order this pre-order this but now that it would actually be beneficial to be able to pre-order a fucking console it's impossible yeah i mean i My, dare say sony is kind of benefiting from all of this lack of supply like it's making their console very for one desirable it's mm-hmm. i mean basically people have to run from to their vehicles when they have the console in their hands otherwise they're going to get got and <laughs> it's i would i think it's positive press it may seem kind of bad but i think it's positive for them and they and they like it yeah it gives it it gives the ps5 like a premium quality it's exclusivity it's very exclusive right it's like if you have one that's just you're a part of the club so to speak 
mm-hmm. to kind of build off that and to take maybe a slightly cynical position. I don't know if they care. Like they're selling either way. Like they're profiting. Exactly. So like, do they? Does it? Is there an incentive for them fiscally? And based on how they seem to operate, we can talk about later in the news. It seems like their only incentive is fiscally. So I don't know if it really matters to them or not. They haven't really them. tried at all to solve the problem. So I, I would dare yeah. say they're not. They don't care. They don't there care. There is a status. I think there is a status to having these hard to get items though. Cause I, whenever I talk to people, I'm always like, well, I have a next gen GPU. Like I got a, I got an AMD GPU. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> in case you were wondering, tell me, you can, my house is worth robbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so it's kind of like Nintendo does that. Like they intentionally create artificial scarcity. That's, that's been part of their MO. Like even Mario, you can't, you know, everyone jokes up Mario was killed. You can't buy right. their games, Mario games anymore. But that's the like manufactured. That's manufactured, yeah, but I think yeah. that there is hype around that that whole concept. Oh yeah, right. it's just like sneakerhead shit. Like, but like exactly, that's what I was going for. Is like it's intentional because it it builds the market and it builds hype. Right. Yeah. But like the thing here is that they've sold more consoles than they than the previous generation, which means that like this, it's not necessarily scarcity in terms of what we would expect for them to be able to produce. Like they're not doing this on purpose. It's just everybody's been locked at home and just realized they like playing video games all of a sudden. Yeah. Nintendo benefited True. from that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I, I, what is the uh, insider program, Kevin? So basically, it's kind of like a help Microsoft try new features thing. Um, they, it's similar to like how you can download versions of Windows to try and you know see what it's like. It's the same thing. You can download different versions of the of the of uh, the Xbox OS. You can try some patches for games, I believe. Hmm. Um, and what it means for in, in this case is you can sign up for it through the Xbox Insider app on your Xbox One, and then they they every time they get a selection of stock. They will randomly basically raffle it out to people who are in that insider program. So there's just a chance that you'll be selected. It's a raffle? It's not even like like a a queue? It's a random, it's not a queue. It's like a randomly, so they said that we don't, they were saying like, don't expect it, don't guarantee this, like, please continue trying to hit it from your favorite retailer. That sounds completely worthless. I mean, my advice to anybody who wants one of these things and really needs to have it now is, Get on Discord and get on Twitter and have your fucking windows open 24-7 and click on those uh, notifications. It worked for me, worked for Kevin, but like, that's no way to live, right? That leaves me shit out of luck because <laughs> I, I'm away from my computer 90% of the time. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's honestly like when I was trying to buy a GPU, I was like stressed out by it and frustrated like those two, like trying to shop for things like, and get this, this fighting everyone else to get stuff is really annoying. Yeah, it's incredibly annoying. I recently got, I think it was three days ago, Best Buy had a cache of of, uh, 3080s, and they did this thing where, like, as you got on the page, they're like, wait for a few minutes, and we're not going to tell you exactly how long, and then the buy button will click, and then you have to really quickly buy it. And I was like, okay, maybe this means I have a chance. And, like, the moment that the button went from gray to yellow, meaning I could click it, I clicked it, and it was, like, sold out. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. What the f- You just wasted, like, fucking 10 minutes of my time to look at this stupid mm-hmm. page. Uh, and that, that's when I realized, okay, fuck this. I am, I'm just going to wait until this shit eventually changes, which, from the best estimates I hear, is not going to be till next year at the soonest. It really sucks that the market caters to scalpers like it really sucks it just it yeah. makes it makes the whole excitement of buying something new a piece of hardware or a console not fun mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree <laughs> 
Yeah. Really frustrating. It's almost like living in this permanent Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good analogy. I mean, besides you, Kevin, the only person I know with uh, a 380 is my my coworker who bought one off a scalper proudly. He Mm. he he, he's Mm. proud of it. I I even tried to guilt trip him. He's like, nope. I spent sixteen hundred dollars. I'm happy. And I'm just like, oh, I oh my God, dude. I oh my God. Like, I good for you, but like, holy crap. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I just refuse to support them. Like, ideologically, I'm just, like, completely opposed to spending any money on it. Even if it's only, like, $100, like, no way. Right. I won't do it. Yeah. It, it's worth noting, too, that the prices have steadily increased. Yeah. The scalper prices. So it was, like, I think it was, like, 1200 bucks immediately afterwards, which which was, you know, a 50% increase. Now it's, like, 1600 1700 bucks for a 3080, which yeah. is just, like, yeah. don't do that. Don't don't do that. Just it's not worth it. I'm still happily using my 780 from 10 years ago, and it's it's doing fine for me. All right, <laughs> I'm okay to wait. I'm okay to wait. Yeah, I, I think by the time the uh, the 4000 series comes out, hopefully demand will be a little more chilled, and you could get one. And uh, my 2070 might last me till then. We'll see. Uh, there has moving on. There's been a ton of reveals in the Epic versus Apple. Uh, court case, Kevin. Do you want to, do you want to go over some of these? Yeah. Um. I mean, the first one, honestly, the one that was the most surprising to me was that Epic spent a billion dollars on exclusive games for their store. So think about this: Epic paid a million dollar, excuse me, a billion dollars to stop people from playing games on a platform. That is that's crazy. That is a lot of well, goddamn money. And if you think about the amount of Fortnite money they they are making, it's not a big deal for them. Right. But just like they paid money to stop people from having something on like on another platform. That's like only Sony would do this. <laughs> I don't think they would spend that much though. Sony doesn't have that much money. But uh, I would say that that's a slightly uncharitable framing, though it's not completely inaccurate. Like some of these games may not have come out if they didn't pay for it. You know what I mean? Like some of these games were were purely funded. Like what? But- Other than Hitman Three, what what is there? Uh, like observation. I, I don't know. I don't have a full list, but there's several several indie games that they have funded that would not have been made. I've heard this otherwise. So that may be true, but that doesn't. Ha- they don't have to spend a billion dollars to oh, yeah. make no, games I, exclusive I mean, to their platform. And, right? like, and I believe twenty percent of that was for uh, Borderlands Three. Borderlands Three, right? Was it they spent yeah, two hundred million? So spent- like like literally twenty percent of that is for one game that 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 Oren likes, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy Borderlands three. I, I don't know. Is it worth it, Oren? I mean, can, as the only person I know who likes it, can you tell me? It's. Uh, I think when it comes down to it, the gameplay feels great, but the story is bad. Mm. But the gameplay feels just right. Like the gameplay loop. That's is, cool. At least is nice. It's, That's cool. At least it's like it's. It's like Outriders. Like Outriders. Like the core gameplay loop of that game is really fun. But if you get past the nothing story. The nothing humor, the bugs. It's a good game. Borderlands Three, same deal. Yeah, I, man, I, the humor is just bad. It's the just humor's bad. bad. It's bad, like anti uh, SJW 1998 humor. It's just stupid and Sheesh. terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I kind of got tired of the whole handsome Jack thing from the last game. Like that. Yeah. That ran its course really quickly, and I just did not want to ever hear that again. 
so that's why I did not buy the third game, and I'm kind of glad now to hear that it basically followed suit. Skip all the cutscenes and just shoot stuff. That's yeah. my recommendation. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah, but uh, uh, an, let's talk about so, another revelation in this: is that Epic offered Sony two hundred million dollars for four to six titles exclusively to come to the Epic Store? Because we know that Sony, at least they they were they're starting to stream uh, Sony published games to PC. Epic wants to get a piece of that pie exclusively, and apparently they offered you know roughly a quarter billion dollars for four to six games. And they're still awaiting Sony's response, so that we don't know if this is actually going to cut. This is, you know, this is private, confidential information up until this uh, lawsuit. This information apparently wasn't supposed to be released, which is why I was like, <laughs> oh. God, "There's so much industry news, like this couple of days, <laughs> like what the hell?" But yeah, that's why only the first day had all the bombshells, and they didn't have them the second day, as it was too much information was not supposed to be coming out. But uh, I'm not surprised. I suspected that if Bloodborne ever came to PC, like the, the fabled PC port happened, it would be on the Epic Store because I know Epic obviously knows that that is a hot commodity. Yeah. Um, and that was, that the, was one it, of the only reasons to buy the console at the time. Mm. Yeah, that's the only reason I even bought a PS4 yeah. was for that. I mean, that it's, was that. it's the best game ever made. You know, you, you got to have it. got to have the best game ever made. It right, is Aaron? amazing. It's, it's good. It is really good. Uh, did they put Stalker on PS5? I don't know. I, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but, Bloodborne's uh, amazing, yeah. I think it's an interesting thing, though, because the only games we've seen on PC so far from Sony that are published is Horizons or Dawn and now Days Gone, which I think are both of their, like, mid-card AAA games. Like, they're big, but they're not as big as, like... Not but also Death Stranding. Yeah, but that was published by a different publisher on the PC version. That was 505. Oh. It, did, so. I thought it had the Sony uh, Computer Entertainment logo at the beginning of the game. Did it not? Am I wrong I about that? I'm not sure. I mean, it is Sony proprietary technology. It's running on the Decima yeah. engine, which is, you know, uh, Guerrilla Games' engine. But, but yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about the last piece of information from this, is that Sony charges for crossplay, which... I, something I think about Sony that doesn't make any sense to me is Sony is in like the number one position, at least in terms of like consoles sold and sort of like prestige and like market perceptions. And it's like when they do stuff like this, it seems really insecure. And I don't, I, I have this problem with companies that are sort of like winning, acting really insecure like this. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it comes off to me as anti-consumer. Yeah. That's the only way I can see yeah. it. <clears throat> Which is kind of why I think Microsoft's pitch for Game Pass, backwards compatibility, all that has been really like, yeah, you guys are kicking ass with this. Because it, it's just, the contrast to Sony, it's like, it's a win. And, and yeah. it's, it's interesting because Sony will constantly, like you, you said, will be in a position where they're ahead. They're ahead of the race. They're ahead of whatever it is. And then they kind of do the same thing that the other companies, they might even be demonizing at those times. They, they go ahead and do it. Like when Microsoft was being shot at for their their Xbox game, their their uh, Xbox Live being so high priced. It was being very high priced. They were raising the price and everyone was freaking out. And Sony was like, well, we're, we're still good. Like, look at us. And then mm-hmm. Microsoft went ahead and kind of smoothed it over. But now Sony's doing this, which is, it's like, okay, Sony, how, what, what are you going to say about that? Like across the board, Sony is just acting like, 
Like they're super scared of losing. Like yeah. th- there's a lack of confidence in the way that they operate. It's a very goofy <clears throat> move, I think. Just a very goofball move on Sony's part. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up the Epic versus Apple news. Resident Evil Village is is out, and Oren has beaten it three times. Four times. You've beaten it four Holy times. Holy shit. shit. We will have a full uh, spoiler cast coming up for that, but we're we're not quite as advanced in our Resident Evil playing as Oren, so that's going to be... I'm 30 little, minutes like advanced. A week, a week or two away. Uh, yeah, but holy shit, Oren, you four times. So what do you think of the game? I guess you, you don't like it much, huh? Yeah, it was, it was all just hate playing. I was like, gosh, I got to figure out why this game sucks so much. I just have to play it again and again to figure out how terrible it is. But um, so, so one thing that I want to say before I proceed, and I've been doing this a lot lately where I'll give the final runtime that I put into playing a game. I did this with Hitman 3. I did this with Outriders. But for Resident Evil Village, I'm embarrassed but proud to say that I put 46 hours into Resident Evil Village over the past eight days. It's a full-time it job. Was my, it was my second full-time job. And I, I, just, I guess I just was really craving a great Resident Evil game, which is what Village is. I loved awesome. it. I'm um, very happy much, to hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Kevin, did you? How much did you play, Kevin? Just curious. So, um, no spoilers, but I got past the first boss and the first kind of exploration area, and I'm now in the next area, and I just got to the save point in that next area. So that's about maybe three or four hours in. You're say. about to you're about you're about to encounter one of the best parts of the game. That's all I'm, all I'm gonna say. So I'm six point three hours according to Steam into the game right now. So the next part you're saying, the next segment will be very exciting. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I think the current part has been fun. I've been engaged, but I haven't been like, oh my god, so far. I'm like, this is fun. I like it. That's kind of been my impression so far. I'm like, yeah. it's good, but I haven't gotten like, whew. I haven't beaten it yet. But sure. I played six hours, so. I have also yeah. not beaten it, but I'm about, I'm, I'm still in the castle. I'm still being chased by a tall woman. Um, like I was really into it at first and I've kind of like lost a little bit of momentum. And I think the game for, okay. For one, the game is just breathtakingly beautiful. It's a really good looking game. I'm playing it on my series X. It's it the looks, best looking interior environments ever, right? And those, it those really environments probably, in, yeah. impressive, they have like incredible this asymmetry, chaoticness to them. That's like so believable and realistic. I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah, this is and incredible. I love that it's first person. I did not play Resident Evil 7, and I have a lot of thoughts about whether or not Resident Evil makes sense as a first or third person game. We can get to that in a minute. Like, the one thing that so far is slightly lacking for me is this sense of like retreading a space or like, I guess, at least in the beginning of the game, it has this sort of like. I want to call it like Half-Life 2 pacing where it's like you do something and then you do something else and there's a set piece and you're doing something and it only lasts for 10 minutes and then there's another set piece or in a story moment. It's like they're constantly like leading me along and I want to like kind of just be left immersed in the scenery for like an hour or two and just kind of like left alone by the, the developers and it feels like they keep coming back to me quicker than I want. But that's just that might just be the beginning of the game. I don't know if that really reflects the whole game or not. So I actually wanted to talk about this a bit because um, 
it seems like the fan base is divided on what is the better game, Seven or Village. And I think it just caters to different tastes. Like Seven, Seven is more like the first Resident Evil where you're just in an environment for six, seven hours, um, exploring every nook and cranny, and the space evolves over time. It's really that game. And also it has that um, genuine horror film tone that you see in stuff in like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like full horror. Uh, Resident Evil Village, the pacing's a lot more like Resident Evil 4. It's very... um, It's like what Aaron says. You don't really stay in environments for too long and the game is constantly throwing new gameplay mechanics at you like Resident Evil 4 did. So, so the pacing's a little bit different, but it also kind of walks that line between being really scary and really terrifying, but also being incredibly goofy and silly. So it seems like it seems like there's the Resident Evil Four camp, which is more, which is more, you know, one thing versus. So, so, so I'd be curious to see if you, Aaron, if you were going to play both of them. Um, I feel like you, you'd vibe more with Seven. But it definitely sounds like seven is the game that I should have played. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the first person perspective. Uh, and this, this is also true of, of seven. I'm of the opinion that a game should only be third person. If there's a lot of, uh, if you really need to have a lot of like proprioception in the game, if you need to have a lot of body awareness, if a game doesn't have a lot of body awareness, I tend to think that f- not always, but like often first person will make it a stronger, more immersive experience. Um, and I think that having a fully 3D uh, Resident Evil game, like compared to four, I think that the first person is a better choice. Like they play very similarly. It's a little more fluid, I guess, than the first person now. But like being right there and having your perspective just like the environment is right in your fucking face instead of being like pushed back is much more immersive and kind of horrifying than I found it to be in, in the third person Resident Evil games. Definitely, definitely. I, I agree because. The first person puts you in it puts you into the literal face of the character you're playing. And it also gives you it like you said, it takes away your peripheral more or less. So you can no longer see what's behind you. And that instills inside like what where's an evil one, two, and three? What they had was that you could see something coming behind you. You can no longer do that, so it gives the flavor of Resident Evil Seven a completely different one because you feel constantly not like at you're not at ease. Like there, there could be anything behind you. So, so Ben, I want to say something to that. There was a moment when I was playing Resident Evil Village. I was playing it on hard mode, and there was this giant ass werewolf that was just kind of stalking the house outside of where I was. And all I had was a flashbang. I had like no ammo. So what I did, I ran outside. I shot it with the flashbang, and I ran towards the exit. And while I was running towards the exit, I could just hear it just yes. like running after me. And I was like, ah. The sense of pursuit is like one of the most scary things. People, I mean, everyone is scared of that. Being pursued is a very real feeling. It's very real and it's very scary. And when you're in first person, that, it amps it up a lot, a significant amount. Like, in, I, I was freaked out as a kid and even as an adult in, in the early Resident Evils. But... First person makes it a completely different game. Truly. Um, uh, did you play want, seven, Ben? I played I very, a very little bit of it. I did not own it, so it's I only got to try it. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. So I actually totally disagree. I mean, I like what all you guys were saying, but I think the third person is, uh, specifically the fixed camera angles, are more creepy. Um, 
because I don't know. It's kind of like watching a horror movie. Like you're watching this character get attacked and like things are sneaking up from behind. And there's something about not being able to control where you're looking that really makes exploring a space to me much scarier. Like when you go into a room and you can like, you can't see what's around the corner, but you can hear like the shifting or the heavy breathing. Yeah. When I can just kind of pop around the corner and look at it, it's not that creepy. But when it's like, I can't see where I'm looking and there's like, I'm just watching my character kind of slowly trudge to it. It's to me, the tension builds much better than a first person game. I feel like it's, I, a, it's different flavors of it, but go on. It is oh, a different yeah. flavor. I, I completely flavor. agree with what you just said, Kevin. I, I think for the old games, the fixed perspectives have a very similar effect, or a different effect, I guess. Like I was saying, when it's I was different. playing it, my, my partner couldn't stand watching me play it because it made her feel claustrophobic. I do it think does, that the, yeah. fi- the fixed perspectives really do something amazing. But since Resident Evil 4, we haven't had fixed perspectives. I'm like comparing to Resident Evil 4, 5, 6, like the three, the fully 3D games. I'm saying if we're going to go for the fully 3D right. games, I think first person gotcha. is better. But so, no, the fixed perspective, oh my God, give me more of that, please. Yeah, it's so good, right? In the it's original amazing. games, yeah. it, like Kevin said, it's it's like a movie. Like you're watching a movie and... And to me, that like when I say flavors, it has the same flavor as a horror movie. Like you don't feel like you're in danger in a horror movie. You you're kind of more reacting to the danger of the person on the screen. And yeah, when you're in first person, the danger becomes more to you than to the person on the screen. And that that's why like the first Resident Evils used to scare me because it was the concept of watching somebody get chased by a horrible monster. You know, like you walk into a hallway and you see all these all, all the ruin in the environment, and then you see something moving in this very still environment because everything in the original games was was pre-rendered and it it allowed the zombies to be much more horrifying allowed the creatures allowed the mutants to be much more horrifying because they were moving in a very still environment and in the 3d games it's i don't know the first person when i did play a little bit of resident evil 7 and when i the the tiny bit of resident evil village i have played so far i'm not even going to talk about because i haven't played as much as you guys but it's a it's completely different type of fear. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too. I was actually reading about the creative director of Seven and Eight Village, and he said by design he he didn't want to show the Ethan Winters the protagonist's face, and the philosophy behind that is that he wants the player to project themselves into the avatar. And I think psychologically it's pretty successful, especially in Seven. You feel like you, you feel the body horror, horror, so to speak. And there's a lot of yeah. body horror. Like the, I, from what I've seen, from what I know, the the body horror, the gore that happens to you as a character is intense. Yeah, it's not hands off at all. Not at all. There's, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it, you. You would get more hands on, but that's a little difficult at certain points. Um, <laughs> I on oh. the note of mentioning 7 and 8 I, uh, a friend of mine pointed something out that I thought was actually very astute about Resident Evil 7 he said that it kind of <laughs> and, and Oren was even um, mentioning this too that they kind of in a lot of ways RE7 is a very like western style horror game even in the monster design it doesn't really feel like a Japanese horror game as much um, and I really didn't like that as much I don't think it was bad I think it worked for RE7 but when I think of Resident Evil monsters, I always think of these like they're like Japaneseified David Cronenberg creatures, which it's like almost sure. like a berserk anime scary version. Like I just love that; it's kind of my favorite monster design. Um, and I I really like that in RE eight, like the first boss looked like it could have been a Final Fantasy seven boss. Like I was like, oh, this is this is this is this is what Resident Evil is to me. It's like this kind of stuff. So I felt like the art direction went back to 
what I felt like were the roots of the series, which I really like. Um, I thought that was cool. I really just like the like setting of the game. I thought was much more interesting. Like I think this the swampy kind of southern vibe really worked for seven, but I I do just prefer the snowy castles and village. I just I just am more drawn to that. <clears throat> yeah, I actually want to jump in because I didn't even say what really what I feel about the game. Uh, yeah, I think this is way better than seven personally. Um, it's way more up my alley. Uh, I love the pacing, and I also love as Kevin said, I just love the environment more and the design and just like the goofy tone seven to me was like a little bit too too much like i love it when resident evil walks that line between horror and goofy yeah um and also you would have been uh, a jill sandwich right i mean yeah i'm all about the jill sandwich i'm <laughs> yeah. all about it J- yeah. jill sandwiches give me all that but uh one last thing i really want to say about this game and why i love it so much is because um i I said i played it four times and the the reason why i played it so many times is because the game just has so many different ways you can play it like i played it on normal mode and hard mode like the way that you know i want to play it then i played it on very hard mode with unlockable weapons so that was its own gameplay style and then i played it again on easy mode just to like speed run it. So the, the game just huh. has so many different ways to play it in a way that I feel like not even seven quite hit. So that's cool. I actually felt fun. like seven just to like even comment on that too. Like seven, I felt like they really reduced the mechanics and features coming from resident evil, even six, which Absolutely. wasn't really a very good game, but re four, five and six had all these mechanics and complexities to them. And re seven felt like it was like, you play the game the one way. You shoot the enemy in the head or you shoot them in the body, and that's about it. That's really all you can do I, I, here. I think they were harpening so, a little back to the originals because there was they, there, were, they were getting a lot of flack as the games progressed past four for the the, the, yeah. the change in the atmosphere of the games and the style of the games. And I think that's kind of what they were harkening back to. I mean, RE6 embodies that completely. Oh, it's my God. It was, it was like, like a playing mess. a daytime <laughs> soap opera, but in Resident Evil yeah. one. Michael Bay movie. Oh, my God. Six is just bad. Yeah, but I don't know. Five is pretty bad too. I'm kind of neck and neck with. I love in terms five. Of bad. You love five. I, I love I didn't five. Like five. I'll, I'll defend five till it's the. It's still fun. It's still man. fun. Like Resident Evil Six was the one that I was just like, I, am I even having fun? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, but these new ones are so good. I'm so into them. Like, uh, I, I just love the gameplay loop of being like okay, there's like seven monsters ahead of me and I have a flashbang, two bullets in my pistol, and an herb. What the fuck am I going to do? I just love that gameplay loop. Oh, I'm <laughs> so excited. God, this is making me so excited <laughs> for it. It's so... It's a, it's a good game, and it's, again, it's Definitely so fun. fucking beautiful, uh, particularly those indoor environments. I, just, I was just like looking at the wood, like yeah. the wood texture. I was like, <laughs> I think this just looks like wood. Like, it just does. Yeah, yeah, like, right when you get into the castle, you see these beautiful wood panel walls, and I just stared at those for, like, five minutes. This, it really does sell the environments, like, better than I really, of anything I've ever seen. It's, it's so stunning. I guess the first person really works in that regard, too. It, when uh, when I played the demo, like, that, that I played extensively when the demo first came out, and you, you, you start in the dungeon, you go through that, it's dark, dark, dismal, and wet, and then you climb the ladder, and you're just, you just enter this white lacquered room with gold trim and it's just it's stunning mm. it, it's i mean you and you go from like the poor to versailles 
and it's it's sure. it's stunning. I mean, it's 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 beautiful when you enter the castle and that in that regard. And I'm really excited to see that in the full game now. But and like Aaron said, you look at the textures. The textures are beautiful. It's it's very detailed in the way they. I, I, as someone who really enjoys architecture, I was just looking at everything and appreciating it because I've I went to the Versailles in person. I've seen these things in person. I was like, this is this is this is very realistic. This is very well done. This is what a 17th, 16th century castle would look like from that period. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. That's um, awesome. All right. I guess that might be all we have for Resident Evil Village today, but like I said, full spoiler cast coming soon. Very soon. Um, uh, per- personal top five, maybe top three Resident Evil. Fucking wow. love it. Fucking love right. it. Top of the Resident Evil games. Yeah, I, it's like for me personally, Arrivals mm. to remake and uh, the first remake. High praise. All right, very high. Oh, yes, it des- high I praise. feel like it deserves it. I mean, I like it more than seven already. Mm. So, and that was already pretty high up. I might like it more than seven already too, just because the gameplay feels better. It just feels mm. better than seven. Sweet. There's mm. more options uh, and stuff. So. This is the last thing I'm going to say about Resident Evil. Uh, the story is so stupid in the best ways. Like it's fucking hilarious, but that's all. I yeah, say. there's some like Evil Dead kind of stuff going on there. <laughs> oh yeah, especially yeah. near the end of the game. Near the end of the game, like there are there's dialogue that made me go like, holy shit, incredible. <laughs> okay. But I don't want to spoil it because it's amazing. Like like you're gonna love it, Kevin. <laughs> I think I will. Yeah, <laughs> I'll play some more this weekend for sure. Yeah, um, no, me too. Oh yeah. All right, moving on. Metro Exodus Enhanced Edition, which uh, I spoke a little bit about last episode, how it was going to come out. Now it's released, and this is a fully ray traced version of Metro Exodus, which requires. Uh, what's up, Kevin? So I have to ask you, Aaron, is it the stalker that you've been hoping for? You know, <laughs> in a lot of ways, yes. Like it's it's very way more than the other Metro games. Like yeah. it's it's not quite that in a lot of ways because the different environments that you interact with feel like they're designed for you in a way that stalker doesn't like right. like i said stalker really feels like you've just kind of stumbled into a world and it doesn't give a fuck about you uh mm-hmm. this feels like you're being led through a world but for the most part it's doing an incredible job uh the, it looks so impressive like like the kind of moments that you have with the, the way the new lighting works like I was in this bandit base and I was kind of like slowly going around like choking out bandits or you knock them out actually. And like there was a little stove thing that I could like close it would make the whole room dark. So I made the whole room dark so that I was then able to put on my night vision and sneak up and fuck them up. And then I went back to the stove and turned it on so I could see. And then there was a dude that was like right in my face and he starts screaming at me. And I had this like total like, oh, like horror film moment because I like turn the lights back on and we're like facing each other with our guns out. Um, and this wasn't scripted. This was all real time. I, I don't think it was scripted. Like, no, nice. I mean, yeah, no, no. It was just me in a bandit camp. So like there, there's, there was a few moments, like the kind of things that happen in stalker is like, you'll be having a fight with some dudes that aren't even necessarily supposed to be there. And like some other faction will come and like weird shit happens like that. These like weird mechanical systemic interactions. And I've seen stuff that's similar to that in this game, but it's hard for me to tell if it was scripted or not. There was another time where I went to a bandit camp and like a whole bunch of these, uh, creatures i guess i don't know what they are started attacking the bandits and basically just killed them for me and then like like the the bandits and the creatures basically killed each other while i just sat there and watched and then i snuck up and looted all the bodies and that was a pretty stalker moment but 
I'm really enjoying the game. Great. I've played about a third of it so far, I think. Um, or at least I've played through the first major area, which maybe, I don't know, you, you beat it, right, Oren? Yeah, it's um so so you 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 I'm sorry you finished the first major area. Is I'm just about to finish the first major area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Part of what I love about that game is how, um without spoiling, how every open world has its own gameplay thing to it, and I think you're gonna appreciate that. Mm. But um no yeah I freaking love Metro Exodus. I'm probably gonna replay it next month. Uh, I think, yeah, for, for me, the thing that I love about that game is similar to Resident Evil Village, where I just love the feeling of just having no ammo or no resources and trying to take out a whole base of bandits. Like, yeah. Metro Exodus does that so well. And just mm-hmm. the panic that you feel of going through, like, a labyrinth and being like, fuck, I have two shotgun shells left. I don't know when the fuck is this going to end. Like, I, I think it's really intriguing stuff. I, I can't remember. Did uh, Ben, have you played this? I, uh, the last time I played a Me- Metro game was a, quite a while ago. Uh, I don't remember which one it was specifically. I never finished it. I got out of the Metro, and I went outside, and I had to wear a gas mask, and I was getting chased by the Balverine-like creatures, the wolf creatures, and I ran into a building, and then I got stuck somewhere, and I died, and that was the last time I played it. I guess Last Light, Lost Light? Yeah, that, that was it. Called. That was the one. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, I couldn't get into those two, but I really vibed with Exodus. Exodus really worked for me. By the sounds of it, it sounds really good. I, I didn't know much about it besides the, the ray tracing. It's, it's So it's definitely, it puts you in these big open areas where you basically have a lot of agency to go and do different things or not do them. Like you have some main objectives. Like you basically, it plays like a really, really big crisis level with a lot more side stuff. Ooh. Um to do so it's 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 good and the gunplay is great it looks incredible there's there's one thing that is uh really annoying the shit out of me right now there's like a bug that has to do with the ray tracing i posted on twitter about this like to try to figure out what's going on the value of light for the moon is the same as the sun so when you change to night it looks blue and nighty you know it's got that like cool color temperature but it's so <laughs> bright that you can see anything like it's not dark at all which is crazy because when you go in the interior of these buildings it gets pitch black and like the little subtle light from a candle or something will like really evocatively light the room in a way that looks almost like a stanley kubrick film or something like it's it's very linden yeah that's just incredible yeah. like the way the light looks in that game is so good except at night outside and, it, and it's and i Apparently it's, it's it's they need to fix it. So I'm kind of waiting for them to fix it before I plan any further. Because at first I was like, is this just an artistic choice? Because like stalker, like you couldn't see like five feet in front of you at night. Dude, stalker was scary at night. Like you go outside, you just dark, you just don't know where you're going. Like it's like walking outside in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. That that bug sounds a lot like some bad Oblivion mods I installed back in the day. Yeah, yeah it sounds like yeah. a mod or something. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. So they need to fix that. There's another bug on Steam only for some reason that changes your resolution every time you launch the game, which is kind of annoying. But like, I really like the game. I think the story's whatever, but like the setting is incredible. It's it's pretty much like 90% of the Stalker I, I always wanted. So, And Stalker 2 comes out this year, so hopefully that'll knock it out of the ballpark. We'll see. Um, it's one of those games that I would say that I also didn't care for the story until about halfway through, and then mm. it started to get me. Right. The last light story was like interesting. It mm. got a very set PC, but mm. it was still like, like I was engaged by it. The whole game. Sure. So, 
Yeah, I would say in reference to the set pieces, that's probably the thing I liked the least about the first two games is they were really heavy with the heavy-handed set pieces that were like long-winded and all these characters talking to you and taking control away from you and watching your character do shit. And like, there's been very little of that in this game so far, except for in the beginning. So like, like once you get into these open area levels, like you really have a ton of control over what's going on. Um, So I think it corrects for that error because like there's still, you know, have some set piece stuff. That's cool. But like, the whole game should hopefully not be that, or that's not what I want. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sure. Cool. So we'll check in on that again next time. Uh, Subnautica below zero has come out of early access. Ben has played this game. I've played this game. I just got it yesterday. I played it for several hours. Um, I don't want to play it really bad. It's fucking awesome. Uh, ben, you want to talk about it? I have not played the full game yet. I have played extensively of the early access. I was a huge fan of the original Subnautica, just like everyone and their mother, because it's a, fucking awesome game and yeah. when I saw B- Below Zero and they're like oh it's early access I was like you know what I'm not even going to wait I'm going to play it now and I did and I encountered all the beautiful bugs of development and I, and I encountered <laughs> all the beautiful things they added along the way with every update mm. I, I love the game and I'm really excited to play the full thing now because it, it, it it's, it's different from the original game it, it adds a character with a voice a character with a, mm-hmm. a personality which is it is a tone change it's a significant tone change for the digital game and in a way it might not it might not be as good because you can't really put yourself in that position but i really like the main character mm-hmm. and she's interesting and they expanded the story significantly the story is more of a you know you're kind of following a thread and you're finding out things along the way and then the world is frozen it's below zero and you have a lot more land to walk on because of that there's ice and that is a is a big change too, and it's a lot of fun. It's a it gives new mechanics to the game, and there's still plenty to find below the surface. Yeah, nice. the ice really changes the way you interact with the yeah. world because, like, it functions as making much of the sea a cave. Because if you're running out of oxygen, you can't just go straight up because there's there's a there's ice. There's on a the lot surface. of versions you of have my to... body caught in those caves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it so it, it that like scary moment that you had a lot in the original Subnautica where you're deep in a cave and you're like shit, am I going to run out of oxygen before I can get out of here is is much more common. Like it happen it, it happens pretty regularly. So I like that. Uh I am unsure of what I think of about the choice to give the character a voice and a personality. I think it's good. Uh my girlfriend was watching me and she was like, "Oh, I want to play this game because this character has a, a voice yeah. and she's like a she's like a person and I'm interested in her." So I was like, "That's cool." Um, but there seems like there's a little more story stuff, which so far has been good. Um, and, and it just kind of like right off the bat, it's hitting really hard with really good environmental storytelling yep. and like environmental clues all over the place, just sending you on these little chases to like investigate. It's, it's just, it still is one of the best exploration games that I've played, like no hyperbole. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's a survival game and survival games usually are all about the exploration but the worlds are very hollow. So mm. you're, you, you're yeah, put in this boring. world to survive. You're put in this world with horrible creatures, but there's not really anything to find besides materials. Right. And then you can build a base and then guess what? You're done. This like Subnautica was the first game to really drive home that you could be a sur- in the survival game in an open world exploration game and still have significant depth to it. It mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. And it's, some uh, and sub zero below zero just drives that home with the cave system. The caves make it a lot more dangerous, as you said, 
and a lot more claustrophobic. And the character with a voice is an interesting addition. I usually hate it when my characters get voices, when previously they didn't, such as Fallout 4 and Fable 3, and, you know, you can add on to the list. I really do not like my characters that have voices, but initially I didn't like it, and I think I think it grew on me. And I think for a mm-hmm. lot of players it will, hopefully, because she's a fairly decent character. She's an interesting character. But the choice, I think, was definitely to draw on more casual players, more people who identify mm-hmm. with storytelling instead of ex- exploration and hard atmosphere horror combat. I should probably play it. I I, I love I love Outer Wilds. I heard that game similar, but I, I'm I'm gonna play. I'll play some Nautica at some point. I saw Outer Wilds, so, and the first thing I thought was, "Oh, Outer World! Oh, Outer Wilds! Not Outer Worlds!" Yeah, <laughs> that was like right. the, that was my like like confusing instant reaction. I was like, I wonder if they're riding a little bit of a wave there, but I don't know anything about the game. So for all I know, it's a, it's a ripoff or it's a completely different game. It's a completely different game, okay. and I think it's probably it's a different. much much better game. Um, Oh, then Outer Worlds or then Subnautica? Then Outer Worlds. I, I, yeah, not, it yeah. is. It is. Yeah, I know nothing about it, so I, my, my first thought was like, Outer Worlds? Oh, oh, it's Wilds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> from what I know, it's like Outer Well, I played Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds is more about exploration and uncovering a mystery, while Subnautica is like a balance between exploration and survival mechanics. So And well, horror, too. Horror. Sort Subnautica of. Was one but, of the, but there is mystery. The There's yeah. heavy mystery in Subnautica. Subnautica has a yeah, lot of mystery. Yeah, mystery in Subnautica. Yeah. So, sure. I think, like, the thing that Subnautica does well is, like, other uh, survival games were really about the survival, and they would put you in a procedurally generated world, like Minecraft did or uh, No Man's Sky. So, like like you were saying, it's kind of boring, and you're, you're, there's not a lot to see. Maybe something you'll stumble across something that's really awe-astounding, but maybe you won't. Um, this is a, a totally tailored world, but, like, I actually turn off the, the hunger and thirst mechanics mm. because I found that they're just kind of annoying, and I don't enjoy doing that and they give you the option and like there's still so that they added a new mechanic a heat mechanic so you can't get too cold or you will you'll get hypothermia or freeze to death so you have to manage your heat like there's still things like that you have to manage but it's much more about the exploration and that and those survival mechanics are just there to sort of like limit how far you can get on a run yeah they're mm. they're definitely there to kind of give you a progression because yeah as you progress in the game's sort of technological leveling standpoint you are able to explore further and further with those limits on the game. And early on, if you just go sw- swimming willy-nilly, you'll either drown because of lack of air, or you'll drown, or you'll you'll starve to death or dehydrate. And right, I I agree. I fu- I actually really do not like the mechanics. I, I there's a reason I don't play a lot of survival games is because it's annoying. But mm-hmm. Subnautica <laughs> was the first game where I actually kind of enjoyed. I enjoyed the challenge of having to babysit those mechanics as well as mm-hmm. exploring the world at hand yeah awesome. it's also i'll try it, it i hear it's good on current gen hardware like like i know that the previous version of subnautica on ps4 and xbox one was just like god awful right. like like basically yeah. shouldn't have been released bad um but this That's... from what i've heard this version is pretty good you can play it at 4k 60 with minimal bugs so it's, it's it. I don't know. Maybe it may be worth checking out. Um, I may have to buy it twice now because Mary's bothering me. She wants to play it, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> sea of Thieves, Oren. What what are you doing in Sea of Thieves? Well, I played it for literally two hours, but I had a lot of fun. Mm. I mean, I just uh, 
it was great. I was playing with with this guy, with this friend of mine, and I was just doing a jig, dancing around uh, on the, uh, you know, on my ship, and he was just firing cannonballs at me. It was cool. That game is so stupid, but I like it. I don't know. It's, do you guys I, like it? I yes. like how there's no progression in it at all. Like, yes. there's nothing <laughs> yeah. to obtain. Yeah. It's purely a sandbox game that you play for fun. No, that is it's about like the a chat air. room. It's like it's like a chat room. I feel like, but it's fun. <laughs> well, you just do random oh, shit. Aaron, and it, we were all playing it as a four man team one time, mm-hmm. and we found uh, a group. I don't know if I told the story already. We found a group of of like eight, twelve year olds, like English kids, and they were like all on their boat, and they're all like, "Yeah, help me wrap, wrap the ropes up here." And then like Aaron got on their boat and started like attacking them and terrorizing them, and then like he like we like blew up their boat and set it on fire, and they were like, "Oh my god." Like losing their shit, and it was really funny. Because the fact that they all sounded like Christopher Robin made it extra excellent. Just a um, boat of Christopher Robin. <laughs> <laughs> That's little kids. Uh, so okay, the way that we play that game is like hardcore PvP game. Like we go find yeah. the explosive barrels, and we get a big cache of explosive barrels, and put them in the crow's nest. And then we look for boats on the horizon, which takes some time, and it's actually pretty fun to do. And then we hunt the boat down. And one of us grabs the explosive barrel, jumps onto the ship, puts it below deck, and shoots it, which is like, I don't know if this is true anymore, but at the time, it would basically destroy the ship, like, every time. So it was like a one-hit kill. And then, like, we would just do that, and then we'd take all their booty and go turn it in. Like, because the questing in that game, in my opinion, is pretty unfun. Uh, It's not a fun thing to do, but using the other players as quest items is extremely fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it, it seems fun. I mean, uh, uh, what did I do? I, I killed a bunch of chickens and I ate the raw meat and I threw up all over my friend. Like it was, it was cool. He was mad at me though. He was like, "Why did you, know you throw up on me?" What I like about that game, it's like a, it's almost like a rejection of a lot of current game tropes. It's like to drive the boat, you got to like manually steer it. It's awkward. You have to like do the, the sails, you know, move them. All the mechanics are like kind of awkward, busy work kind of things that in, in like another game would just be like, you move the stick left or right to drive right. the ship, right? You wouldn't have to do all of this awkward, like parking the ship is difficult if you don't, you know, like all of those right. things. It's, it's, I, I like that about the game and there's no, there's no gear progression, which is interesting. It's, it's you know, all I cosmetic, like right? Games. It's all, but yeah, in this game, yeah. it's all cosmetic, which I think for this game, it really works. Yeah, um, it requires a, a level of coordination and team play. Like, if you're not playing yeah. coordinated as a team, you will get nothing done, which is which is not true of a lot of uh, team-based games. And I think that, like, the more I think about it, that is, like, the necessary ingredient of a team-based game. Like, that if everybody's not playing the role properly, like, you should just grind to a halt. Like, cause, like think about Battlefield. Like, Battlefield... We could play as a team and like we could just be doing nothing together or we could actually be playing as a as a playing a role as well and be successful but like it doesn't grind to a halt so we could all just sit there and snipe or run around in circles or space out whereas like and, and the game still keeps going you know but it's much more fun when you're playing together in battlefield and you do better sometimes <laughs> uh, like left for dead does that really well though like it has yeah, like it yeah. cc's you basically crowd controls like person like a boomer you know or not a boomer a strangler or whatever what are they called smoker yeah and you like hey help me or i'm gonna die like that kind of stuff yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like of all the multiplayer games that did that the best was uh, Gears 5. You just like intuitively work as a team in that game in a way that yeah. is really amazing. Mm-hmm. The Gears co-op is some of my favorites. I enjoyed the sure. co-op a lot. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. 
Yeah. Also, Resident Evil Five has great co-op. No one. No one <laughs> I, I, I agree. I actually agree. I I played extensively that with Garrett. We played a lot of that. A lot of you know Shiva. It was a lot of that. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed. I it. like how when you shoot enemy in the head, one person presses A on them, and it's like the punch attack, and the next guy can follow up with their special attack, and then the first guy can go back and do a third attack. You can do like a triple. It was attack very Army of Two, like of that time. Yeah. Without any of the like bro down. Yeah. The, well, it, it was you. Were, your characters that weren't broy, which was nice. Army of Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Army of Two. Army There's a pull. What a throwback. Uh, speaking yeah. of throwbacks, I beat Doom 2 after playing through the whole game over the course of like two weeks. And uh, last podcast I was talking about it and I was like, I had some concerns about some of those early mid-levels kind of like throwing off the pace, which I still I still hold this opinion. But after playing through the whole game, it's the best Doom. Or the best of the, of the, the Dooms, the ID Dooms. Like, it's so many good levels in Doom 2. Like, the architecture still kind of, like, astounds me. Map 29, just... Ugh. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of all I have like. to say. Doom 2 fucking rocks. Go play Doom 2. It's on so, Game uh, Pass. I just want to so, say so one I gotta, thing. So, I gotta settle this debate, guys. Sorry to cut you off, Kevin. It's id software, right? It's not yeah. ID software. You could say either, I think. But I think You could say software. either, but it's the, the id... Like, the concept of the id... Right from like the, from yeah. uh, who? What's his name? Philosopher man. Freud. Philosopher. Freud. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. that's where they got that name from. Maybe not philosopher. Whatever. Yeah, because because it's like the id to kill stuff, right? It's software. <clears throat> yeah, uh, that's fine. I'll call it ID software as well. Anyway, Kevin, what were we gonna say? I don't know if I told you guys that, that I was playing that game in VR recently. Hmm. And uh, good. I played it in in um in. I have like a somewhat large square foot house, so I can actually play it and map it out in my VR headset where I can walk and use like walking locomotion to play Doom. So walking through a Doom level at like human walking speed is incredibly slow. You get a real appreciation for the scale of those maps and just how insanely fast Doom guy runs. He's like, you know, it's, I think it's ninety miles an hour. Ninety miles an hour, whatever he runs at, he's like the yeah. fastest. He's like. You know, especially carrying all those guns, insane. Three X Usain Bolt. But I got to like dodge an imp fireball by like moving my body, which was insane. Like it's there's it's there's nothing like it. It's it's an incredible experience. You know, it's got to be good um, cardio. And I got to like sit down. I sat down in the room and just like sat down and just like took it in. And it was like I was living there in this like '90s polygonal, low res world. It was pretty amazing. Um, That's true. <laughs> That's cool. I, I like the, that. That Kevin. That's a good sell. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And the, I also one thing I found that was really cool and made me appreciate the design of the game more was I got the uh, the eye power up, and what the eye power up does normally is it makes so the enemies projectiles shoot like at a, a chance they'll shoot kind of off angle so they'll miss you like that's supposed to be how it works. What? And normally you don't want to yeah the invisible eye that makes it so that they're more likely to miss you. Yeah, that's how it works. The enemies, if you watch the regular enemies, they'll like sometimes like face the left and shoot. Miss oh, you. I did not know but that. But you don't usually want to use that power up when you're playing the game because it, if you're doing circle strafe, which you do in Doom, you'll they'll shoot into where you're strafing. But in VR, where you move extremely slowly, it's the best power up ever. Hmm. So it's it's funny how the design of that game changes for something that it was never made for, but it works. It still works really well. It's pretty interesting. Pretty fun. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, VR is really fun. Yeah, jealous. I'll, me too. Yeah, I I'll, guess I'll, me I'll three. I'll play Half Life Alex. I'll play Half Life Alex eventually. That's yeah. the one. Same man. here. That, that is 
That is an incredible experience. I'd love to try. I'd love to try VR, but I think I'd immediately trip over something and then break my neck because I have no room in my house. <laughs> I realized I do have the space. Like I should. I have a whole room that this podcast studio is like empty. I could totally do it. So I don't have as much yeah. room as Kevin. Kevin's got the full monster condo. So monster condo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. That's a good doom homage there. That's good. That's uh, good. I like it. All right, Ben, you've been playing some Conquer sixty four. I have. Um, I yo I, great fucking game. I got it. Sorry. I got it for my birthday. Uh, my my housemate gave it to me. I had been wanting to get that game since I was a kid. I grew up in a very conservative household, so I was not allowed to play such games. I played that game briefly a few times over at a friend's house as a kid, and I loved it. I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was you know goofy and funny because it was it it was meant to be. And now I was, I'm finally able to play as an adult, and the humor has not aged well. It's extremely, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's extremely of its time, but it's still mm-hmm. funny. It is still mm-hmm. funny. I mean, of course, there's the classic boss that everyone knows about, the the shit boss that everyone knows about because even if they haven't played it, and that that was a lot of fun to play through, and finally like play through as an adult and appreciate the mechanics of it, which are a little iffy, but a little shitty. Yeah. The the game is. It's an action platformer, like that's basically what it is, and it's an action platformer with quips. So basically, every time you you jump on something, then you get a quip, then you jump on something else, you get another quip, and then you talk to someone, you get another quip, and it's usually your character. Context sensitive, right? Yep. It's. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm really enjoying it. I, I haven't got to the end yet, but I enjoy all the little detail this game unnecessarily has, and it's it's kind of it's kind of like a it's like a classic n64 game where there's just a lot of little details that you really don't need to have in the game but are really fun to see so, such as idle animations when you, when you stand there a lot of games have kind of got gotten rid of the idle animations but you stand there and your character and he's he starts he says what, what where are you are you dead I think he's dead like and, and then he turns around and he starts playing on a game boy and he start, he plays Zelda on a game boy and he plays a shooter game, which I'm not sure what it's supposed to be, but the, but one of them is definitely supposed to be a Zelda game, and it's it's cool. It's just really <laughs> cool to see that because you don't see that anymore. And unfortunately, the mechanics of the game, as far as a platforming goes, is not very good. It's a very clunky platformer. It is yeah. It's a I, I dare say it's a bad platformer, but once you get the hang <laughs> of it, you can make it work. And I'm, How does it play compared to Rare's other action platformer, Banjo Kazooie? Not well at all. <laughs> not not well okay. at all. It it is basic. And that's compared to Banjo Kazooie, so that's that's a. It is. It's rough. It's a very cartoony environment, and the cartooniness makes the environment very hard to kind of see what is you, what what can you land on? Can I land on mm. that? And then you jump on it, and sure enough, you find fucking no, I can't. And then you plummet to your death and explode <laughs> on impact. <laughs> it's it's a very gory game, which is fun for that. It's fun to die, actually. It's actually fun to die. And when you do die, you have these game over screens. And each game over screen is tailored to the way you died. So if yeah. you drown, th- then <laughs> then you see, like, the, the goons bring you to the, the bad guy. And you're in, a, you're in a soggy bag, and you're wet. And if, if you <laughs> get sliced up, you get brought up in a bag, and it's all gory and bloody, and you're all cut up, and they have to tape you back together. Like... It's a really, it's a cool game. I'm really glad to play as an adult because I've been wanting to see this game for a long time, and I, I'm really enjoying all the stupid humor of it. <laughs> Are you playing it on original hardware? I'm playing it on my N64. Yes. Are you what playing you have it on your CRT? What, yeah. I have a, I, I do have a classic television that is 
in storage right now. I don't have enough room to have mm. it in this house. I have it's a Viewmaster. I think it's a Sony. It's it's a beautiful okay. TV. He has a he has a good sized CRT. It, it's it's from like 1988, and it's like I think 20. No, no, it's like it still works. It's like thirty. It's like thirty something inches. It's a big TV. Um, okay. And, and it, ha- it has like it has like a glass um, reflecting screen on it. Like it's it's hmm. it was a really high end screen for this time. So I I love playing on that console on that monitor, but it's it's a big it's a big fucking. When we played N sixty four on it, it looked good. Yeah. I was expecting it to look like how it does on an LCD, which is awful. But no, it looked great mm. on a CRT. It looked like oh, this still looks fantastic. It wasn't so bad in the nineties. We had it pretty yeah. good then. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I I would love to have that thing weighs at least one hundred and fifty pounds, and it's it is so big. I think it would take up half my living room right now. So I'm playing it on LCD. I'm playing it on like my shitty little one, which if I can give you an end story to that LCD's life, it fell on the ground mysteriously like a two days ago and shattered. So I'm not playing, uh. I'm not playing Conquer right now mm. it, because it, I have another television and actually Conquer does not like the N64 does not work on that television. So I, that television is too new. So yeah, it doesn't have the coax in That is exactly it. Mm. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm on the sideline now with Conquer. I can't play right now, but up until two days ago, I was enjoying the hell out of it. Cause I just have to, I just have to say one thing. Like I have a lot of nostalgia for that game. So, uh, I got really excited when you said, said conquer, <laughs> but I agree that game's mechanics are bad and the humor has probably not aged that well, but at the time it was a big deal. It's, it's still and funny. It, and, and I, I actually yeah. forgot that the game was English. Like as a kid, mm. I remember. Right. <laughs> I remember that, but like for some reason, through the years, I, I just, that just kind of that that specific detail faded. And then when I played as an adult, I was like, "Oh my god, I forgot everyone. This game is English. It's very English humor." Right. And yeah, it's hmm. it's 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 aged badly. It's like an early early South Park episode. It's sure. And it's it's aged badly, but it's still funny in some regard because it's so absurd. Yeah, it's like the just taking like the banjo kazooie formula and just injecting it with Ren and Stimpy adult humor. Exactly, like, <laughs> it really nails it for the yes. most part. It, it for the most part, it really does, and it's 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 a fun game, and, and there's a reason it's so well known, despite the fact nobody really owned it or played it. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, moving on, though, hope I'll, I get a sequel. Dude, I, I hope, hope so. we get a sequel. A sequel? I, I hope, hope yeah, there will no. be a stupid sequel someday. 25 years later? Because the, oh, there was man. the remake on the original Xbox, so I hope there'll be a, yeah. another another game of it in that regard. Hmm. But Portal Runner, that that ties into what we were talking about earlier, the, the 3DO. So Portal Runner mm-hmm. is a 3DO-developed game. This was near the end of 3DO's existence. After 3DO had their failed console, because originally they were a hardware developer and a software developer. Then their console crashed in all its horrible, forgotten glory. And then they became software developers only. And Portal Runner was a tie-in to their extremely popular franchise, which was the Army Men franchise. So Portal Runner was the... Basically, you, you played as Vicky Grimm, who is this extremely stereotyped, you know, bad, kick-ass girl. But she's she's a reporter, because, you know, that that's a, that's a thing girls could do. And so she's a reporter... Just like April O'Neil. Exactly, and <laughs> it's 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 a fun game. I'm I, I'm actually still enjoying this game as much as I did when I originally played it. As a kid, I had this game and I played through it probably a dozen times because it was so fun just to repeat it. 
and it, it's really hmm. it's really challenging. It takes the army men formula and completely gets rid of the war aspect of it, and turns mm. the game into a complete action platformer. It's almost more like a Spyro, it's, right? It's like Spyro. It's it's very similar to Spyro, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's an action platformer in, in the purest sense, where there's a lot of platforming, a lot of unnecessary puzzles that require jumping from one place to another, and you also have the bow mechanics, and the the bow mechanics are actually fairly fun. Like they. You, you you can go into like like zoom in mode. You can get like some close up aiming, so you can hit objects in the distance and hit enemies in the distance. And you find there's I think there's like eight different types of arrows you can use. Anything from fire, explosive, electric, frost, and then there's an alien arrow that I forget what it exactly does, but it's basically a one hit kill arrow. And the game, the game is like beautifully stupid. Like the the plot of the game is. Is kind of, it kind of takes the classic fairy tale plot where the guy has to rescue the girl and you instead have to rescue the guy. So the, so Vicky, the girl, gets to rescue her boyfriend who is ta- being taken away to be married, like a princess would. So he's been kidnapped, <laughs> and, the, and the evil villain That's is funny. Bridget Blue, who is the silliest villain I can actually really think of. She's, she's basically Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know, I, I make big trouble for Moose and Squirrel. Like, she is, she's a <laughs> Russian agent that wears blue, has blue hair, and has a Gundam follower who basically does all her dirty work for her. And it's it's extremely goofy, and she is extremely goofy. And she carries a compact around that can, that can is her mirror-mirror on the wall thing. Like, she can see whatever she wants to see. And you, you spend the game going through game boxes. So in the Army Men series, you're little, you're little action figures. And basically, you in this game, she, like, Vicky is a little action figure, so she goes into different games. She goes into a prehistoric style game. She goes into a medieval style game, and then she goes into a basically an aliens invading style game. And so, so the game has a lot of different environment. The environmental change is big. So you you go and you also have your your lion that follows you around too. For some reason, they added a lion to the game. I guess the lion is was there to make people go ooh animals. So he, Leo the lion is your companion, and you can ride on him and do other shit with him, and it's pretty fun. But um, that game, I wanted to mention, for these two Giant Bomb fans, that's yep. the game that Jeff Gersman was fired from GameSpot for <laughs> for giving what? it a po- he didn't Wait, Mortal Kane, Runner? Gave, I thought yeah. it was Kane and Lynch 2. No, it was Kane and Lynch 2. Yeah. You sure? I'm yeah. pretty yeah. sure. I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now. Something similar happened. So the okay. game got really bad reviews, and Trip Hopkins, the then president yep. of 3DO, Infamous. sent an <laughs> angry email to John Rousseau, who was the president of GamePro, saying, um, there's something wrong with the reviewer, not Portal Runner. If you disagree with me, you do so at your own peril. I should mention in passing that 3DO has been one of your largest advertisers. Effective immediately, we're going to have to cut back. Trip. Okay, that's so not Jeff Gersman. I'm mixing him up my fires. Yeah, my yep. Trip Hawkins but was, was yes. at his like, bare end at this point. Like His... His life and his empire had crumbled. So, like, if if one of his games did bad, at this point during the game's release, I think it was 2001, which infamously mm. this game actually released on September 11th, 2001. Oh, really? This, this game oh, released. It did. It did. This game released. The, <laughs> this game was released the day that, you know, we will always remember, and it had poor sales because of that, because people were just a little too distracted, and it overall it was a solid game for what it was but i do, don't disagree wholly when they say it's not it's not the best it's not the best of what it was the the characters are kind of weak and 
the platforming is pretty fun, but it's repetitive. Like there's nothing really, they don't really add anything different to it. The soundtrack hmm. is also interesting. Uh, it's <laughs> the game was released in 2001. So when you start the game up, the soundtrack is by a band that literally played in the Shrek movie. Oh man! So when when you think of the Shrek, uh, wait, when you think of Shrek, somebody once told no, me. No, no. When you think of the Shrek it. movie, and okay. you, you hear that that song called "Bad Reputation" in that movie, that that's not that's not the original '80s "Bad Reputation." That's the 2001 cover of that song. Mm. And <laughs> it, it's covered by a band called Half Cocked. So this game had a Half Cocked song called "Always" that plays at the beginning, and it's complete early 2000s alternative rock. It's very of its time uh, and it aged oh <laughs> it aged exactly <laughs> how you would think you have really sold this game to me uh <laughs> this, this this is a pure nostalgia trip for i already me. bought this it. is a pol- pure nostalgia uh, trip for me this game is something i played it as a kid when it was released and i enjoyed it for what it was and now as an adult i'm researching 3do so i was like hey i'm gonna play yeah. that game no that was a, i think that makes sense it's worth noting that the egm review that received so much uh oh, vitriol from um, Trip Hopkins was a 3.8 out of 10. Yep. <laughs> yep. Damn. You either remember uh, this game or it. you're not going to play it at all. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's move on to our topic of the week, I guess. Uh, here's the deal. Microsoft has been going apeshit, putting FPS boost into old games on the series consoles. They just recently added 74 games to that which brings the total up to 97 games. And I've played several of them now. Uh, Oren, I'm assuming you've played a few too, right? Uh, Titanfall 2. Did you, okay, were you able to try it at 120 hertz? Uh, I don't think so. Because the game, the I, game. I, I, I can't discern between 60 and 100. Oh, I, is your TV promise you, I promise you, you can. Uh, does like, your TV do 120? I think it does. I I don't know. I didn't play that much of it, so maybe I didn't have enough time to notice it. But anyway, um, so like that's an interesting example because because the game was sixty before, but they added it to one hundred twenty hertz, and I played it recently. Like the game is probably the best example of what the auto HDR feature on these consoles does. Like it really gives it a just an incredible HDR like pop. And at 60 frames per second, it looks and feels really great. And it also, like, that game had a um, super sampling feature. So if if there was enough GPU headroom, it would actually run at a higher than 4K frame rate and then downsample for, like, an extra crispy image. So it looks insanely good uh, in its native presentation. When you switch to 120 hertz mode, it runs at 812p, and it has, like, reduced settings, and it's basically... It's so smooth. It is so smooth. I was like, I was like, there's not going to be that big a difference. And then I was like, oh my god, this is this is too good. Which which I know because I, I do play a lot of high refresh games. But it looked so smooth. But it looked so bad because it was so low resolution. It was basically like 720p. And it yeah. So I was like, this is this is not tenable for. I w- I might do it for multiplayer. But it looks so good at 4K with the auto. And it turns off the auto HDR for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but. Yeah, they're they're adding this to a ton of games. Like like the real winners of the games, from my opinion, that are that ran at thirty frames per second or like a sub thirty frames per second that now run at a locked sixty frames per second. Uh, I played Mass Effect. They added it to that. They added it to Skyrim. They added it to a bunch of these games, and it's just like that. In addition, and I know I've been harping about this a lot to the other features that they're adding, really just brings these games up to a real modern visual presentation sensibility. Like that, that just feels really nice to interact with. 
Yeah, it's. A, I think it's great. Honestly, it's one of the best reasons to own an Xbox or just be a part of Game Pass because you have the smart delivery that gives you the best version of these games, and they're constantly updating it with these FPS boost features. I just think and it makes Game Pass really exciting to be a part of. Um, what do you think, Kevin? I think it's really cool um, that they're doing this. Um, I think um, it seems like my opinion is a lot of um, a lot of my my console only friends hadn't talked or cared about frame rates as much. But I think it's primarily because last generation was really only targeting 30 FPS, so they, they hadn't really True. been used to 60 FPS high fidelity games. So I think this is like a really cool time to kind of sell that more to people who haven't been exposed to it as much and be like, oh wow, this is actually a huge. This makes a huge difference. This is like. A substantial you know thing and um if you think about it let's just say you are a resolution person if you're getting 60 fps at 4k versus 30 fps at 4k you're getting more resolution per second like double the resolution per second right so like it's it's better it's gonna look better too it's just it's it's a win i think it's really cool um it kind of still makes me like want to like bash sony i'm not going to but i want to because like they could do this too and they have such a huge library of games that they could do this too and i'm like really sad that they aren't taking this opportunity to do that um to invest in some of their back catalog and stuff yes so here's my question here's the framing i'm wondering is is this in the fact that like resident evil village which looks incredible also runs at 60 frames per second is this like and like oren tell me what you think about this is this changing the way that you engage with games or think about games is it spoiling you because here, here's the thing that happened right when i was a kid i could play goldeneye at 10 frames per second and it didn't bother me and then, and then i got a computer and, I, and then i started playing games at 30 frames per second i'm like oh that's much better and then i started playing games at 60 frames per second i was like oh i can't go back to 30 and then I, you know they're just like this never-ending like thing where like now it's like if the game doesn't run at 400 frames per second i'm like what's going on Dude, it doesn't support ultra wide. It doesn't have right. HDR. Like, I, I'm becoming like <laughs> super picky in a way that isn't actually necessary. Um, so I'm wondering, Oren, like, how is this affecting you? Man, Hitman Three looked so freaking good at 60 frames per second. I don't know if I can go back. That's all I'll say. And also Village. Like, honestly, uh, I'm waiting for Resident Evil Seven to get the FPS boost t- treatment because I don't know if I can go back and play it at 30 FPS. So I've been spoiled. It happened. D- I think it does run at can't 60 believe FPS. It. Does it? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. uh, well, at least not on Game Pass on the Xbox. So. All right, that's good to know. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But um, I, love it. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, do you think that like like because it really is one of those things where it's like when you raise expectations, are people going to be able to go back? Because there's a limited budget, right? There's like a fidelity budget. Think of it this way. And like the better you want the game to look, the more of the budget you're going to have to take away from other things, including frame rate and field of view and stuff. Like if you really want that, that whatever Naughty Dog's working on right now, they're going to show some trailer and it's going to blow all of our minds. And it's going to like close up on Nathan Drake's pores. And we're going to be like, holy shit. And there's just going to be no way that they could have done that at, at a higher frame, you know, at a higher frame rate. Like, is, is this going to change the tastes of the market, or is it just going to be more of a niche thing? Can I make a prediction? I think it's going to be a niche thing. I think once we get 
mid-gen to even late-gen is going to be all 30 FPS games again because they're all going to be going for these insane fidelity graphics. (laughs) And they are going to look insanely good. I'm sure it's going to be holy shit, but they're all going to be 30 FPS again. I I think people are going to be aware of it and aware of the possibility and maybe even try it on their own, but the classic consumer of the market is not going to care. No, they're not going to care. They're not going to care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... um, I don't know. I really like the... Uh, there are certain games that I think really benefit from 60 FPS, like the Resident Evils, for example, or like Hitman. I think Naughty Dog can maybe get away with it because he's more... That, I mean, I'm not he, but that company is more focused on the cinematic quality. That of Naughty FPS. Dog. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're more... <laughs> it, it works to their benefit because they're going for cinematic quality, but... Sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think that, uh, like... What? They should. Night Dog games should be 60 FPS, though, in my opinion, because they're all shooters. <laughs> they all have shooting in them. Right. And games that have shooting, it's definitely more important. I do think that third-person games can get away with it if they have really good motion blur a lot better than first-person games. Playing a first-person game for me at 30 FPS is like kind of nausea-inducing, whereas playing a third-person game at 30 FPS is not too bad. But you can only play GoldenEye at 15 frames per second. That's the correct way. No other way That's, way's that's valid. with emulation. Dude, on that... On that point, though, like at back then, <laughs> we were really happy to be playing a shooter game on our TV. That's what it was. It was like we were just, oh my god, there's a three D. I mean, game imagine what split screen was back then on a television that was twenty five inches, maybe even twenty inches, and you were playing split screen, a four way split screen. Your screen was tiny. You did not give a crap about the frame rate. Yeah, like seven frames per second too. on gold. You did not care at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow I still got those headshots. So like, obviously it's it's playable. You, you right? adapt. The, the, the it's, it's yeah. adaptable. And we didn't know that we could have anything better either. <laughs> we, we weren't aware of the future. Right. Yeah. The game that I didn't really know. People kept complaining, like IGN. People kept complaining about frame rate of Nintendo sixty four games because it was often lower than what you would get on a PlayStation game. And I was yeah. like, what the hell are they talking about? And then I played Turok two. And I was like, oh, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> that game. What game that didn't that have any problems? It's a disaster. On the N64, though, was Resident Evil 2. I had There was no frame rate issues on mm. that game for the, the N64. Mm. I, I enjoy sure. the N64 copy more than others. backgrounds. Hmm. Yeah. That's an impressive port. And it's, I, I, I like it. I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. I got to get one of those. Like, uh, I look on Craigslist for these CRT TVs, those like Sony production TVs that you would see like in like a news van. They're only like 19 inches, I think, or maybe they're even smaller than that, maybe like 10 or 13 inches. And they're like really long and they have like really good color reproduction. And I like want to get one of those so I could just get like a um, one of those analogs and plug it into there and just have like legit retro gaming i mean you live in la there's no better place there's no better place to find old stuff like that they're they're 300 bucks is the cheapest i've ever seen them and often they're going for like five or six hundred bucks because they know people want them but yeah there's fucking production studios everywhere like they're like oh we've had these sitting in a locker for. i have some black and white televisions you don't want any color at all (laughs) i don't want that that's a way to go yeah go ahead it's weird to me that no one has tried to sell CRTs to a niche market. I know they're hard to produce, but like no one, there's no one out there. On the I whole mean, they're world. not just hard to produce. They're like, they're basically impossible to produce given how small of a demand yeah. there is. It's 
Yeah, I guess the demand was. It's just it's, too it's small. like 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 they used to everything used to be tube based, all the amps, and like that that was a bit. The only reason they right. kept producing them was because the military still used them for a while, and then when the the sound market eventually turned over again, and we're like, we like the tube sound, then they could still produce them, and that that was able to be done. But CRTs, once they were gone, they were gone. Like people don't want any cathode rays anymore. Like they're they're done. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way to do it is get a cathode cathode ray TV. And get a PS2, classic PS2, play Silent Hill 2. Am I right, guys? Am I right? I, would love I, to I do think that. you are right. I think, I think you definitely are right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to go. Same with playing any 16 bit game or 8 bit game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Plug in a yeah. Oh, yeah. Super Nintendo with that nice mono sound. Uh, really, any fourth, fifth, or sixth generation game, all would be awesome on that <clears throat> I, I love my nostalgia Truly. i love it so i i'm fully into all that too i'll, I'll keep an eye out for you i'll keep an eye for you uh aaron I'll, I'll i'll see if i can find one of those tvs for you all right some, can't be too big game. it's gotta be <laughs> okay uh, sorry i keep i keep jumping in but like uh, uh there are some games from that era that aren't just nostalgia driven they're like still mm. amazing like mm. i mean silent hill 2 like that game is just fantastic super but, mario world oh, a ton I of mean, games yeah there's a ton I, of games. I, like, I've always this is like my quote for that I always say is that good game design is not limited by technology, and I, yeah. I strongly believe it. It's yeah. a John Romeroism right there. If ever I is heard it? one, yeah. I mean, his whole the whole reason he started Ion Storm was to create a company where technology would not limit game design. Like that was their like mm. motto. But uh, didn't know that. Yeah, apparently technology did limit their game design. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, oops. with that Daikatana. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Uh, all That's right. My favorite What's... one. That's the best one. Daikatana. Daikatana. Play it every day. Play it. Play it once a year. Dude, that fucking <laughs> that game is bad. That game is that game truly, sucks. truly bad. Uh, it is a bad game. Dagger to my heart. Can't uh. believe it. All right. Um, let's get into personal wrecks, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. Oren, you finished The Sopranos. Yeah, it was awesome. And that's kind of all I have to say about it. I finished it. It's over. Great so, ending. So, so Great you, you liked season. the ending? No spoilers. No spoilers. I, I just, I just yes. want to know, like, a generalized, like, it, it was very well known to be a disliked ending. So, but you liked or it. Or divisive, divisive, I would say. I guess divisive is a better word. Yeah. You, you liked it. You liked the way it ended. Yeah. I think um, I think it's actually aged incredibly okay. well. Um, okay. It... it Speaking about this incredibly vaguely, but um, it's I think set up well. The, yeah, yeah. The, let, let's put it this way: there's this tendencies for there's this tendency when you watch a TV show that you want everything to have closure and everything to be paid off in a certain way. And The Sopranos has a very oblique way of doing that, and I think that's because it was that's why it was so divisive. But I actually think the ending ended up aging better because it didn't do what TV shows typically do. Like it ended up having a very ambiguous and mysterious ending that had left me a lot to think about. So I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. It. I think the ending was appropriate. Yeah. And I'll add that awesome. the ending is, is very well like telegraphed yeah. in the show, pro- like throughout the, the, the last season. So it's not like, I understand why people were like shocked when it happened, but like, Without saying anything more, like it's it's a logical <laughs> that's like, ending. That's I think it was it's, well done. It's shocking. No, no. I'm just, but we're it's not good. saying what the ending was or anything. I mean, honestly, like the ending is also sort of whatever. It doesn't matter. It's it's a great show. It ends in I think a very satisfying way. Um, Loved it. Check it out. Yeah, I know it's the de- ending. Unfortunately, 
I mean, everybody knows the fucking ending. Told it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it yeah. was really. It's it's definitely up there. I think it's a top three show for me. I loved it. Just really. Cool. And and I just love uh, one last thing I'll say about this. Uh, I have a tendency to love stuff that comes from like the Twin Peaks school of television. So, oh, yeah. so like David Chase, Damon Lindelof, like Donald Glover, a lot of those guys were directly inspired by Twin Peaks. So I just love shows that um, tell tell stories in a way that has just like a lot of loose threads, a lot of mystery, a lot of ambiguity, um, supernatural elements, and I think The Sopranos nailed that. So it definitely is one of my favorites now sweet and you watched watch it you're gonna love it (laughs) okay oh tenant aaron did you oh tenant oh yeah i watched tenant it was it was okay i don't know okay all right did you guys like it i haven't seen it i don't know what it is i kind of don't want to watch it now because just because i don't know anything about the story I just know that it's like so divisive in a way that makes me think that I I want to give it a few years. So so here's the thing about Tenet. Um, like it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It came out last year and it just came out on HBO Max. And it's the the thing about it is that the the ideas and the practical effects for me were incredible. Mm-hmm. But um, Christopher Nolan, he just needs to hire a screenwriter to write his dialogue because I cannot stand every time the char- any character says anything. I just hate it so much. He just needs to hire somebody to write his screenplays because I don't think he has the uh, chops to do it. That's my two cents. So his brother didn't write this movie because usually his brother is the writer, but I'm looking at it and it's like Christopher Nolan is the writer on this Not movie. so much lately. They've been like His brother's kind of doing his own thing now. They, they, they collaborated mm-hmm. on the, some of those early films. That's too bad. His early stuff is so yeah. good. The writing is good in his early movies. That's a shame. I think that's that's the theory that I have because Jonathan Nolan and he also had David Goyer write all of his movies up through The Dark Knight, and then after The Dark Knight, he decided, no, I'm just going to write my own screenplays, and I felt it really hard in his mm. past four or five movies. I just don't think he has, like. <sighs> This is going to sound really condescending, but I just don't think he understands human behavior and just how people interact. And <laughs> like, like all of the characters are very stilted and they say what their motivations are without any subtlety. And I just can't stand it. And I, fe- I think Tenet is the worst case for it, honestly. Hmm. Um, but the actual set pieces are amazing. It's just you have to get through all of this crap to get there. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> Alright. Um, I'm actually going to do a double, a double recommend. One is Love and Sausages by the Kids in the Hall. I was like sending Oren <laughs> Kids in the Hall skits this week and I think the Kids in the Hall have kind of been like slightly lost to time or maybe this is just old man Aaron talking but Love and Sausages is just a bizarre skit that's like part Tarkovsky film or just like weird surreal. Like Kafka. Yeah. Like Kafka. It's worth your time. You can find it on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. Just love and sausages, kids in the hall. Very easy to find. It's worth watching. The other is a editorial piece from the New York Times written by Ezra Klein called Even If You Think Discussing Aliens Is Ridiculous, Just Hear Me Out, where he kind of goes over the state of uh, UFO and, and alien evidence that's like in the mainstream, which is just it's just bonkers to like be a kid that grew up watching the X-Files. Now it's like, oh... Uh, there, there's a lot of weird shit going on out there. So this will be linked in the in the um, 
show notes. You can check it out. But it's it's just he just kind of goes over all the different stuff that's going on. Apparently, the Pentagon is about to release a new cache of information about about UFO sightings that they've been studying. And Senator Harry, former Senator Harry Reid, thinks that there's like like crashed uh, salvage wreck that, uh, that that like the government has and that they're not letting out. I don't know a lot of weird shit. That's like it's it's like not what you expect to be seeing on the front page of the New York Times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That, that sounds that sounds sure. pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah, it's I'll read it. Uh, Kevin, what what do you reckon this week? Um, I almost every day now have been playing VR games, um, and um, I think a lot of people don't. When you look at VR, it's like I don't know anything about this. What do I get? What's what's good? What's you know blah blah blah. blah. Um, I personally have tried a couple of them, and the one that I recommend is the Quest Two. So that's my recommendation is the Oculus Quest 2. The reason that I'm endorsing it primarily is because I think the pitch for just having a headset and two controllers in your hands and no cables anywhere is a very strong one. It's hard to like emphasize that without experiencing it, but when you when you have something over your face and you can't see what you're doing with your hands and you have cables around you and you start pulling on them and breaking shit, that's not a fun experience. So like the quest being just mobile, you put it on and play, but you still can plug it into your PC. Like it's almost like a switch. If it was a VR headset, you can plug in your PC and get the power of your computer and get a whole new library of games, I think is a is a pretty pretty good one. So I think currently, if you're going for VR, Oculus Quest 2. Unless something that better comes along that offers that same kind of stuff, but I think uh it's pretty compelling. Also, you can sideload apps into it and put your own games on it and not to pay for them. How much so, is it? Uh, I believe it's $300. That's okay. the price of a Switch. Yeah. There you go. It's more like a Switch more than a than one. Even so, without the cables, I'd still yeah. fall and break my neck in my house. <laughs> well, you can play it sitting. You can oh, do you sitting can. VR. Oh. I've, yeah, I've only played up. VR at your you house, can. Kevin, so I've never fully experienced it. Um, the Quest is way better than the PSVR. Like, you can do what's called your Guardian, where you can, like, draw on the ground where you want you to be. And then when you start to hit, get close to where you don't like, like a wall or something where you draw drawn, it'll like in, in game will pop up a thing like, oh, don't step here. Like this is a wall. Hmm. So you don't like bump into something. That's... And if you're sitting down, you can just have what's called your stationary garden guardian, which is just basically like, you know, your arm. Cool. Space okay. Wide. Yeah. Yeah. It's very well done. I got, I need to get into this VR stuff. It's, it's, really it's a whole other world. It really is. It's, 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 it's as, it's as big of a deal. I think as everyone says it is like, I think it deserves it's it's compelling. Hmm. Sweet. I think uh, once I clear my my current log of Resident Evil and Control, Subnautica, Hitman Three. Once I've beaten those games, once I've finished those games, I'm getting one of those. Put put just, a village and Hitman Three at the way way top, like those two. Just a heads up though, uh, VR is like just for anyone else. It's not a replacement for your day to day gaming device. It is mm. a supplemental experience. You don't want to spend more than an hour or two playing a VR game. It's not like you want to spend like eight hours playing it like you could on a regular two D. I don't really want to spend it's, eight hours playing video games in a sitting either. I would love to, but I hear no, what you're saying. I, would love to. I just can't afford some it. Some people, some people. Would maybe like I would love that. to. So. I, I mean, I mean, that was me this past week with Village. Yeah, Every day, right? That's true. I, I played the shit six, out of that Six, eight-hour days. Um, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, ben, I know I know. we didn't prompt you beforehand. I mean, we did prompt you before the show, but you didn't know. Did, did you want to uh, Yeah, yeah, I, I can throw anything? something. Uh, I, I kind of like Oren. I, 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 I was watching something. Um, 
I always I always watch old movies. I love old movies. I especially love old horror movies. And one I watched, which was pretty cool and unexpectedly, was called Nightwish. It's from 1989. It is a very B horror, but it covers a lot of facets of the horror genre. So you get anything from supernatural, you get anything from sci-fi, psychological, body gore horror, mutant, like extreme, almost like Cronenberg-style mutants. And it's all packaged up in this movie. And the movie just, it it has an incredibly weird plot, but the plot actually, the weirdness and the kind of looseness of the plot actually plays really well into how you enjoy the movie. And I, I was expecting just to sit there and be like, yeah, this is a stupid movie, I'm wasting time. But I actually got into it and I enjoyed it. And the twists in the movie are pretty damn cool, even if they might be a little obvious at first. They're pretty cool. And if you want to watch an old horror movie and you want to see those actors from that time period, I think I think the main actress was in one of the Friday the 13th sequels. Uh, I think the the all the other actors are basically B movie horror actors, and they're all they all do their parts good enough. And there's a guy who's basically channeling. Um, Christopher, uh, what's what's Price? Uh, Vincent Price. There's a guy who's tra- channeling Vincent Price big time. He plays like a maniac. Nice. It's. I'd say it's worth watching. I'd say I I would definitely recommend it if you want a good, good hour and a half of just cheesy horror. I love I love that era of uh, the '80s Cronenberg VHS yeah. horror era. So I might actually. That is exactly out. what this is. This has the whole it, the intro to the movie, is very misleading you start off the movie you're like oh my god this is really bad this looks like it was filmed on a camcorder and it's a completely <laughs> misleading and it and then af- after that happens like you just go full on into this weird adventure that is this movie it's it's good i would i would recommend it awesome <laughs> worth noting i'm looking at the imdb uh, imdb page it is brian thompson who played the uh the uh, alien bounty hunter from x-files oh, yeah. he's just like yeah. a really oh, unique yeah. looking yeah totally it's funny the, he, he put his character. It's dude. It's so good. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything if you guys actually do watch it because it's it's just a wacky adventure and it is not, it's it's creepy, but like, just it's just fun. It's just fun. Cool. All right. That's that awesome. sounds awesome. Uh, ben, thank you again for stopping by. We had a great time having you. Thank you again for having me. I I really enjoyed this. I'm really glad to have been on the show and it's a, it was a good time. Cool. And uh, yeah, find Ben. Uh, where are we finding you again? YouTube, uh, you, YouTube is, is, again, my favorite spot to to advertise. YouTube, Adam Mana. Um, yeah, I think it's YouTube pod Adam Mana. And we basically post all of our videos on there the same day we release them on. I think we're on Anchor, but Garrett kind of covers that side of it. So I think Anchor is our provider for podcast. And then, of course, Twitter. Um Twitter is, is also the good site. We constantly post on Twitter. We're always posting weird, wacky shit on Twitter. Uh, at pod out of mana is our Twitter handle. And yeah, uh, come check us out if you like the sound of my voice. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to be it for this week. And like I said, coming up pretty quickly, I, hopefully in a week or two, we'll have Resident Evil Village spoiler cast. We're going to spoil the shit out of that game. Orin basically is an expert at this game. Yeah. Like you could teach a course, I think, at this point. 
So, so, so there's like an explosive barrel in the, the corner of this map, and like right before that, there's some herbs and mm, deep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Madden, as always, thank you so much for your awesome theme track. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.